right, hey guys, this is Damian Lupo, and I am here with my very good friend and fellow North American, but way North American, Canadian Andy Clark, way up in the far east of Canada, who is an attorney, a recovering attorney. I don't know if he'd call himself a recovering attorney, but an attorney and an author and a fellow world traveler. And I wanted to bring him in and share his story, have him share his story with you guys about what he did that was very unique that most lawyers wouldn't do and his take on that experience and just share him with you guys. So Andy, thanks so much for taking some time to connect with everybody and share your story, man. Hey, Damien, no problem at all. I'm happy to be here and share this ever-evolving story of mine. Yeah, that is definitely ever-evolving. Before we even get into the story of what you did the last few years, what is your background? I mean, you were an attorney for a while. I mean, what was that before you did what we're going to talk about? So the quick 30-second version is that I went to university, then went to law school, became a lawyer, practiced law in a couple of different law firms and also in-house for a grand total of just over 10 years. And then I got out of that. Law was my passion. And I joined forces with my wife as a doctor of chiropractic. And there was potential there for her business to grow and implement some ideas that we had kicking around for a while. And so I just saw myself as the person to take those ideas and to help her business grow. And we did that for about four years. Mm -hmm. And just recently, I have returned to a different career path. Once again, I'm now managing an accounting firm in my own province with a couple of offices around the region. And in the middle of that, I tried to, well, I did start a business called Wellness Lawyer to try to bring wellness to the legal community in a concerted way. And I guess that's probably what we're going to be talking about at least a little bit. We can share with the listeners what that was like and why I'm now no longer doing that. So before we get into that, you were in the, the legal field, but then there was a reason. Was this because of your wife and because of the world of chiropractic and wellness that you were so into this that you decided to veer off from law and focus on, on the wellness? Or is it just because you're a really healthy guy? Or like, what was the driver that pushed you into this different space? It was definitely my wife. And I don't know if you know much about chiropractic. I think you do. And I don't know about your listeners, but chiropractic, it's kind of a different take on health and on health care. And I began tagging along with my wife to chiropractic conferences and just learning about where health comes from and what you need to do to be healthy and uh, learned a bunch of stuff and was really kind of almost mad that the public and mass media and prevailing culture really has this, I think, false take on what you need to do to be healthy and where health comes from. And so when I was practicing law, I started to study and do more research and, like I say, tag along with my wife to conferences and kind of really help her grow her business. And I really became more interested in that than I was in growing my own law practice. But before I left practice, I did, uh, this is back when blogs were still fairly new. I started one called Wellness Lawyer, just sharing with the legal community what I was learning and what I was implementing and the benefits that I was seeing in my life and how I thought it could help other lawyers, just kind of as a hobby and as an outlet for what I was learning because I thought it could help other lawyers. So that I sort of had that thing going when I decided to stop practicing law and to join forces with my wife to try to turn her chiropractic business into more of a full-on wellness center, which we did over a period of about four years. So then once you decided that you were going to share this, what happened? Did you just start asking people what to do next? Or you just did the blog, but you did a lot more than just the blog in terms of training and yeah, things. That was it. You know, after I stopped practicing for about the first, I would say, 18 months, to two years, it was really just solely focused on helping my wife grow her business. 
we did a lot of things. We doubled our size, doubled our space, doubled our service offerings, implemented a whole new system called the Creating Wellness System. So that was kind of full on. But I was in the back of my mind. I wanted to get back to this idea of trying to help what I think is by and large a fairly sick community, which is the legal community, lawyers specifically. We call them lawyers in Canada more so than attorneys. Attorneys is more of a U.S. term, but I'm getting at the same thing. So I had been there, right? I had practiced law in the region's biggest law firm, which isn't a Toronto firm or a New York firm or a London, UK firm, which is, again, a few other layers on top of that in terms of stresses and obligations and and commitments, et cetera. But it was still a pretty significant time commitment and still significant stresses. And I started to feel some of those. And so I could relate to lawyers. I know the lawyer experience. I was one for a long time. I still am one. I just don't practice anymore. And there was something there I thought that I was learning that I could apply and that others could apply to, I came to call it practicing law within a wellness lifestyle and the benefits that lawyers could see in doing so. And so I kind of got back to that. I got some help. Some people were interested in helping me along the way to try to turn this from blog to business. And I did that. I worked at that for a couple of years, kind of backed off my involvement in my wife's business and tried to focus to a significant degree on trying to turn, like I say, this wellness lawyer idea from just an online blog to an actual business that I could make money at, which most businesses, I assume, is part of their goal at least. So I worked at that for a couple of years. And so what was the first step? You set up your blog and then what did you end up doing? Because there's a lot of people in this space that are teaching how to do this stuff. And you spent some time studying Brendan Bouchard, right? Yeah. So it was all new to me, right? So I had this idea, like a lot of people do, they have this idea, they think they have some value that they can deliver to the world, but they don't know how to do it. And certainly that was me. No idea. I still don't, quite frankly, (laughs) but I kind of allied myself with, I guess, a personal development company that I thought highly of. And I'd been through their programming and got to know the owner. And we had an idea that we could take that and kind of tailor it and sell it to lawyers that it would help them kind of see more of the big picture, that a legal career fits within a greater life, meaning that you have this life and there's a lot of different facets to it, components to it. There's health, there's finances, there's relationship, your spouse, your kids, your hobby, your community involvement, your spirituality, your philanthropy, all these different things that make up someone's life. And I think so many lawyers have their career first and then they try to jam all this other stuff around their career And anyone that's ever practiced law knows that just the practice of law becomes all-consuming unless you can kind of figure out a way to put some boundaries around it. So less and less and less you have time for your spouse and kids and for all the other stuff that's important to you and important to other people in your life. So what I was trying to do was try to help people realize that, listen, you need to look more holistically at your life and you really need to get an understanding of where that legal career fits within your overall life. I used to tell people that the purpose of their law practice is to enhance, not erode their overall quality of life. And I think so many lawyers, in fact, it erodes their quality of life rather than enhances it, which is really sad. So there's a lot of different ways of trying to get that message out there. I was getting in front of law firms, law students, bar associations, law societies, and just trying to let them know that, look, I'm a guy who I've been in the trenches. I understand what it's like. I also have done a lot of study and have a lot of knowledge around what are some of the things we can do to be healthier, to be happier in the practice of law. And was also making the argument, too, 
that if we do these things, if we take care of ourselves as lawyers first, rather than just our clients and our colleagues, et cetera, then at the end of the day, we'll have more to give. We'll have less burnout. Really, as a lawyer, you're, what you're doing is you're selling your time, you're selling your advice, you're selling your mind, in fact. And if you don't take care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, socially, then you're not as sharp intellectually. You're not able to service your clients and provide legal service to the best of your ability. So all of this was kind of packaged up into speeches and seminars and courses and, and a book for the whole purpose and sole purpose of trying to get that message out to the legal community in a way that I could also turn into a business. It sounds to me like you did everything that I've seen in terms of having an idea that would do good and then getting it out there. I mean, you basically did that and then you had millions of dollars show up within a few months. I mean, like that's exactly what happened. I got too rich too soon and I just had to shut the whole thing down. Yeah, so what was the reality of going through that process and what, what were some of the things that were maybe different than you expected? Because I know there's a lot of people that want to share their message. And so what did you experience that would be useful for people to know in advance some of the stuff that you went, wow, didn't see that coming? Well, I think, well, geez, there's lots of different lessons learned. One of them is don't quit your job until you have more of an idea that people are actually going to pay you for what you think people should pay you for. There's lots of schools of thought on that, right? If you're not passionate about something, then don't do it. Follow your passion, follow your bliss, all that good stuff. But there has to be some realism built around that, that there are people that are going to pay you for what you have to offer. And I think I went in a little blindly thinking that there was probably more of a market there than there was. Now, the legal market is massive, right? My market was the English-speaking legal lawyer market in the world. That's a big market, millions of lawyers. And you didn't have to look very far to see all the evidence that lawyers, by and large, are sick. Higher incidences of depression and incidences of uh, substance abuse and lots of people leaving the profession, burnout, all these other things. So you got this big market, you have all the data to suggest that people need what you are selling. But I guess that what I didn't count on was that needing something and wanting something are two different things, right? At the end of the day, the reason why I stopped focusing to a significant degree on this business after about two years was that I felt that I got in front of enough people, either online or live in person. I got in front of enough lawyers and delivered my message and kind of my pitch to them that I knew that something was off. Either my message was off or I wasn't the right person to deliver it or the medium was off or they just weren't ready for it or weren't willing to exchange money for it or didn't have time for it or whatever. There was something that wasn't quite working there. So rather than spend another two years to try to figure out exactly what it was that wasn't working, I just said, you know what, this has been fun. Maybe somebody else can pick up the torch, so to speak, and carry it on. I just wasn't willing to keep at it. Do you think the part of that had to do with the nature of the people who you were trying to help because it's something that they needed? Were they mostly wanting something different? They were wanting to focus on just ways to make more money, be more efficient, and they just didn't care about their health? Or what do you think? Because it's lawyers are a different breed, like the way they think. I've had enough of the lawyers in my life. They definitely think differently. Well, yeah, I think there's a few things. One is my message was always this holistic message and that you needed to do some work to get to the point, a significant amount of work, a foundational kind of introspective work to even get to a point where you can implement strategies. And I think there was a lot of disconnect there where lawyers, and they're not alone in this, most people, in fact, we all want a quick fix for things. And really there aren't a lot of quick fixes for things, right? 
in my view, if there's a problem, it's a problem because there's not a quick fix for it. And so you need to do lots of create new habits, create new mindsets, and that doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a process. So I think a lot of lawyers are looking for a quick fix, a quick strategy, maybe going to like a meditation course per se. There's been some take up on mindfulness and meditation in the legal market. And I think that that's probably a better approach would have been just to pick a specific strategy and say, I can teach you how to apply this strategy. It may not stick, it may not work, but you'll pay me some money and I'll teach it to you and that'll all be good. So I purposely didn't take that approach. I took a more holistic approach and I think that might have been a tactical error in terms of a revenue standpoint, revenue growth standpoint for me. And then same old excuses that just lack of time, right? That lawyers just might be interested, but just don't have the time or the discipline to implement this stuff in their lives. I think a lot of lawyers, no disrespect to them, you know, I am one, but it's, they like to be able to complain about stuff, how stressed out they are, how busy they are, but they don't really like to do a whole lot of stuff to change that, right? They might say that they want to do some stuff, but when it comes down to it, they really don't. And then also it could be that just I was delivering the message wrong or I was the wrong person to deliver the message or the medium wasn't quite right. Or There's lots of different variables, right? In order to get us a quote unquote sale, so to speak, whatever that sale might be, a lot of things have to fall into place. A lot of things have to be done correctly. So there was probably one or two or three elements of that whole sequence that were off. I don't know what they are, what they were, I have some ideas, but I knew that enough of it was off that it would have really taken me doubling down in terms of investment and in time to try to figure that out and go to the next level. My wife will tell everyone that once I commit to something, I'll stick to it through come hell or high water. So it's difficult to stop doing something that you care about, that you've invested time in. It's really, it's a really difficult decision, but getting back to the holistic thing, was this the right thing for my family to keep at this, right? So I've got a wife and I have four kids and it just came time to move on and try some other things. All the other moves that I've made from a career perspective have not been because things weren't going well or wasn't successful. It was just, it was time to kind of go on to that next evolution of me as a professional and as a human being. And so that's kind of where I'm now in the evolution. I've had all these different experiences, practicing law and building a business with my wife and trying to build my own business. And you know, it's led me now to this role of managing about a 40 person accounting firm with two offices in my region. It's the perfect spot for me to be right now. Who knows what the next evolution will be for me from a professional standpoint, but I think it's important just to be grateful for all your experiences, whether they've been super successful or they haven't been, and be able to look back and connect the dots. And usually you'll be able to connect them and they will lead you to where you are right now, right? Some of those experiences that may not have been as successful, the lessons that I learned in those have enabled me to step into this current role that I'm in now. So man, it's all good. And it's just fun to have been able to learn a whole bunch about trying to be this quote unquote expert in the wellness for lawyers field. You know, and I still feel like I am an expert in it. It's just, I, I wasn't able to crack the code in the amount of time that I gave it to be able to turn that into a business that Brendan Burchard may have talked about someday. I really like what you're saying and it feels like you haven't tied the idea of what some people would look at as a failed venture like I did when my real estate stuff fell apart. It went great, or at least I thought it was, and then it crashed and my entire identity was so tied to that that I didn't know I was kind of lost and my self-worth was tied to my net worth and all this other crap. And, and what you just expressed was more of a gratitude for the experience 
instead of saying, I'm going to be in this thing. If it kills me, I don't care. Or this didn't work out like I thought it was. And therefore, I'm an idiot like a lot of people would do that can't really appreciate the experience like you just described. It seems to me, it's very enlightened and it puts you in a really powerful place. And then you can move on to the next thing with that experience. I mean, is that a pretty good assessment of where you're at? Well, yeah. I mean, it's also has the benefit of reflection. Yes. When you're in it, it sucks. There's definitely some embarrassment. There's a hit to the ego. Like I'm no saint. I'm no monk. I would never describe myself as overly enlightened by any stretch. But I think having the benefit of reflection and being able to, as I say, find where I am now and being able to look back and connect those dots, then that allows you to be a little more grateful for those experiences that may not have gone according to plan. Well, I like that you did it too. I'm sure you would agree. Most people will talk about these type of ideas where they have something they want to share and they really never do anything with it. And then there's this life of regret. Maybe I should have done something or I could have or whatever. And I love that you did it. And then you're doing something now that you've expressed so much joy and happiness around. You've gone through that process from this other stuff. You've put things out there that are rippling I and mean, people pop up that have seen you. They've, they've watched your videos. They've read your book. And so it's having an impact, maybe in a different form than you originally thought, but I love how it brought you to where you are now and you seem so happy in your life. Yeah, thanks. It's all a journey, man. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's true. And yeah, I think you're right. It took a lot of courage to leave the security of that career path that I've been down and invested a lot in going to law school and practicing law for 10 years. And it was scary. It was a leap of faith. I was in a fortunate enough position that I did have that. My wife did have a business, right? So. I wasn't like the sole income owner for income earner for the family. There was that other income there that we needed to grow in order to replace my lawyer income. And we were able to do that. But, you know, it was also, I think, courageous not to pat myself on the back, but to actually say enough's enough when something isn't going great. That was hard, too. That was really hard. Because when you're telling people what you're doing and everyone around you is interested and they're supporting you and they want you to succeed. And then at the end of the day, when it's not a quote unquote success from a financial standpoint, that's a hard thing to let go of. And there's always, you always have those ideas. Well, I have this idea and if I do that and that works out, maybe, maybe that will be the one thing, right? So that was hard. That was a hard decision to say, you know, that's enough. Let's look for another challenge. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners had some similar experiences where they had to make these decisions and maybe they haven't worked out as well as they wanted to. But like you said, there's probably a lot of regret at the end of the day for some people that, that aren't loving what they're doing, but staying in it for the relative security of it. But as I said before, you have to balance that. Security is not, is not the worst, right? <laughs> to balance that security and that passion and hopefully people can find ways to find that right balance. I got to tell you that I have a tremendous amount of respect for you going and giving it your all. And I have as much respect for you being honest about where things were when you decided, okay, that's enough. More often than not, I find people are, are not willing to be honest and be true about what really is. It's more about what they like it to be or what it ought to be. And so they'll act as though it is that ought and it's not what it really is. So you being real about it and you had those conversations with your wife and just you had to make a decision. A lot of people will resist that because they want to be right and they insist on that and that drives them instead of being real. So it can be as hard to say I'm done as it is to say I'm going to continue. And a lot of people think the only thing I'm going to do is fight through and I'm going to keep pushing. 
And sometimes that's an easier choice than, than to say I'm done because you have to acknowledge that maybe you weren't right. So a lot of respect for that decision. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, the nice thing about technology is that it's not done, done. My website's still up and all the old videos that I did are still up, which granted and admittedly aren't fantastic, but I think there's some value there. There's some wisdom there. There's some information there that can help people if they're looking for it. So, I mean, that's the beauty of the online world is that that message can still be getting out there. The book that I wrote is still out there for purchase on Amazon. And I just got a royalty check the other day, right? And some people are buying it. Some people are getting the message, even though I'm not really kind of focusing my energies on it anymore. So that's a nice feature as well. By the way, so people know the book is Wellness Lawyer and there's a ton of useful information on your website, but I, I have read your book and I enjoyed it. And it's not just for lawyers. It applies to anybody, especially people that are driving hard and their life is out of balance because you really did come at it as at a holistic level. And so people that want a holistic life and not just a fragmented partial life, I think there's an incredible value for people to read it. So I highly endorse it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. The book is actually called Lawyer Wellness is Not an Oxymoron, but the brand is Wellness Lawyer, so wellnesslawyer.com. Okay, so people can find you. You haven't gone off into the vapor and the ether. You're still there. You're still floating around in digital space for people to go check out. That is right, yes. That's awesome. Is there anything that you want to share with people, anything else that could be really useful? I mean, you spent a couple of years in this process and you gave so much of yourself to it. And a lot of people are at the beginning of that journey, or maybe they're in the middle of it. Maybe they're at the crossroads. Any sort of parting wisdom or something that you might want to leave people with if they're in that mid space or kind of in the middle of this thing that we do trying to create the expert space? I think it just has to make you happy. If you're not happy at it, then think long and hard about why you're doing it. There were times in my two-year process where I was just driving and driving and driving and wasn't maybe even taking my own advice. I just wasn't, it wasn't making me happy. Now, part of that might have been the lack of success that I was looking for, but I don't think so. I think more so what I was finding was that in the so-called expert space, there's a lot of experts that tell you that it's the online world. That's what you need to concentrate on. And I didn't really know anything about the online world. So I had a lot of learning to do and didn't come easy for me. And that's not to say that you should stop if it doesn't come easy. But what I found, and it took me a while to realize this and put my finger on it, was that me sitting on a laptop trying to sell online and do all the things you're supposed to do online, posting and social media and videos and all of it, right? Anyone that's been in through any sort of experts training knows that the funnels and the email marketing and all that stuff, it just wasn't making me happy. Like I just didn't like doing that stuff. Much prefer the face-to-face -face getting to sit across from people or even to Skype with people and to have that eye contact and connect with people, really. That's probably my biggest takeaway of this whole thing. And so that's what I want to spend my time doing now. I'm still signed up to so many people's lists and things and this and that. And having seen the formula, the online sales funnel and the email formulas, like you can see it, right? You can see it come in the free value, free value, free value, sell something and all the affiliations and all these people that you really respect, they're all affiliated and they're all selling each other's stuff. And they're good people and I like them, but I just kind of get a little sick to my stomach, quite frankly, when I see it all. I'm not anti-profit and I'm not anti-making money. I'm all for that, actually, like I am. And if these guys have figured out a way to create value and to make people's lives better and make some money through doing that, that's awesome. It just wasn't for me. And sometimes it's that simple. You just, when you realize it's just not for you and you make a decision to find out what is for you. And clearly you're on the right path since you've made this migration. It's very cool to feel the energy. And I appreciate you sharing this story and your lessons and being authentic, which is also extremely rare. 
you did that. You always do that. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for sharing and for being here and how you show up in the world, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, I appreciate that, Damien. I appreciate you and the opportunity to share my story. And it's been fun, man. It's been fun. Let's be exciting to see where this journey takes us next. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one other thing, if people do want to reach out to you for any reason, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, they can reach me at andy at wellnesslawyer.com. Cool. I will also put a link on the interview so people that want to reach out to you can connect. I'll also put a link to the book on Amazon if people want to check that out. So they have different ways to connect with you and continue the conversation if they'd like to. Awesome. Love to it. All right. Well, thanks again for your time, man. I appreciate it. It's as always great talking with you and all of you guys listening. I hope you really got a lot out of this and you'll reach out to Andy. Thanks again. Thanks, Andy. <laughs>